Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Baseball, the last episode of season one. As always, I'm here and joined by Caleb Messi. Uh, Caleb, how are you doing? I'm good. I can't believe that we are here at the end of season one. It's kind of crazy. Um, even when you mentioned it, uh, before we hit record, I was kind of like, whoa, yeah, we're here. Yeah, it's wild to think that we've gotten down this route. I mean, we we started, what, middle of the last season, of baseball season, and then we're going to wrap up here at the end and then kick off season two uh, at the start of it, opening day of baseball. So we'll be bringing you some more interviews with some incredible guests, uh, so it should be good. Um, before I dive into a couple of things that we want to get into here, I just want to talk about all the work that's being done at Prospects Live um, by a lot of the amazing uh, analysts and scouts there. They have a, a handbook coming out soon, a scouting handbook. It's going to be 600 plus pages of hard work by all the analysts and writers that you'll be able to check out on Amazon. The links will probably be here in the bio as well. Um, and then just subscribing to the Patreon. There's top 30s out there for everyone to take a look at for every MLB team you get your top 30 prospects with a full scouting report I mean everything you need to know about these guys so it's it's kind of cool it's a lot going on here um, but there's also a lot going on in the baseball season as well we are fully in the swing of the world baseball classic um, a couple a couple pools have already wrapped up but uh Caleb what's one of the biggest highlights for you in the world baseball classic uh highlights well I mean one of them goes back to um a guy we had on our pod we're lucky enough to have Vinny on seeing Vinny mm. in his in his I guess you know realm like where he thrives is pretty cool and not only that but like seeing the media like picking up on him and actually seeing the guy he is the, the personality he has um has been pretty cool but like on the field I mean it, it's very like non-baseball for me like I love seeing the culture stuff I love seeing um, the guys, I love seeing the guys who like MLB teams have kind of declared as old or on the decline, get this like <laughs> um, rejuvenation from playing or just get like, just kind of some like burst of energy. And then it's interesting always, always to see younger guys, like guys who haven't yet made it to the show facing major league prospects. So I'm being a little vague in my answer because it, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. Um, I'm pulling for USA. I don't think that um, the moments have been the greatest for USA. It's been really cool to see Israel just, like, have a presence, but they're falling a little short. Uh, the Great Britain uh, jerseys <laughs> have been an interesting topic. Aerial font, man. Aerial font. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. It looks like they just got them delivered Yeah, um, and that there should be a sponsor on the back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – we're seeing the best players right now 
um, thrive. So it's just really, it's always just so cool to see the cultures come together. Yeah, you, you mentioned the young guys and talking about Great Britain. I mean, Harry Ford's bad in cleanup, and he's one of the considered one of the better prospects in baseball for the Seattle Mariners. And like, I think he's what been in high A, maybe double A at this point. And so he's got a couple of years before he can reach the bigs. But he's facing Team USA and Mexico and all these guys who have some arms. Uh, so to see that kid just go up there and start competing. Um, the one guy that stuck out to me, I have to mention this story because it was just so cool. Uh, Duque Hebert, I think is how you say his name, out of uh, Nicaragua, strikes out Rafael Devers, Julio Rodriguez, and Juan Soto back-to-back, 21 years old, not with a professional team, signs a minor league contract with the Detroit Tigers that night after he did that. I mean, like, those are the stories that are just absolutely awesome. I mean, he topped out at, like, 90 miles an hour with his fastball, but they're probably saying projection, good slider, like that kid has a chance, so... Those are just the awesome stories. I love. To yeah, see. yeah. I mean, and that is like the, the funny stories of like you know Lars Newbar, <laughs> you know, being, you know, with Shohei and just seeing what his social media has done, like for his brand. Like even that stuff is just so cool because it's not like something that they pinpoint definitely that they're going to you know drive in on their social media presence and their followers in the off season, but like having yeah. this opportunity. I mean, Shohei has just been continuously Shohei. Um, it's just been so crazy to see. Um, I, I mean, I, we, I would even go further to see, you know, guys like um, Rowdy with like Mexico, like saying that he's not even Mexican or Alex Dickerson in Team Israel is like, I'm not Jewish, but my wife is. And like all these kind of backstories. And we got some of this already. Like yeah. when we talked um, to Justin, like we got some of this and that's just so cool. So like you're just adding to another story. It's more because of the WBC, what this did for the, that person's career. Yeah, I mean, so what Caleb's mentioning is uh, the last uh, interview we had on episode 14 with Justin Wiley, who's playing with the Great Britain national team. Um, and they got a good, they got a win, so they they might yeah. <laughs> qualify to be in it next year. So I like that was their only goal was to get a W. And hey, they only lost two to one to Mexico, so they were in that game the entire time. So like countries like that that are really trying to develop baseball. I mean, it's huge when they get that opportunity. Huge. I think there was a couple of them like Colombia hadn't been in before. Um, so all these other ones, uh, just making their oppor- just getting this opportunity to really grow the game in their countries, which is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, now we have the last interview for you all uh, was Devin Mazzarocco, who played about eight years in the big leagues with the Cincinnati Reds and the New York Mets. Has some amazing stories we'll get into here about catching probably the greatest rotation ever in New York Mets, not ever, but like in recent history in New York Mets um, and just some of the, the awesome things that he has had to say, but what was the, the biggest takeaway out of that interview for you? Uh, so you asked me what the biggest takeaway is. I, I mean, I've, I have five things written down. I'm going to start <laughs> with kind of the biggest thing that is just, you know, looking back, um, how humbling the game of baseball is. So like, yeah. We knew that as fans, we knew that even when we played at such a minor level, not minor league, minor level, and how bad we were, and we knew that we weren't <laughs> going to make it, right? So, like, we yeah. knew it was humbling, but to hear guys who have been there, who have gone through the journey, as we as fans would love to see, we as, you know, baseball enthusiasts, purists would love to see, just hearing how humble they are to speak about, you know, this whole experience. I'm not, I'm not even going to say, like, they're their playing career because it's it's the life experience so i've wrapped it up into a few things so my first one is similar characteristics as a researcher and as a professor i feel like i have to categorize everything (laughs) Um, so you know you've talked about this at length with like the relationships how often relationships come up i just think it's so cool to see 
and it's not planned how often these keywords come up how often yeah. um you know we hear about relationships we hear about transferable skills and that could be all different kind of skills we should make a tally <laughs> yeah we should and even like a highlight tape or like a mm -hmm. compilation of like all these kind of different things of what they say but yeah i would categorize that as sim similar characteristics hearing about everybody's journey and it's very difficult as a person to say your journey and then want to understand that everybody has their own unique journey because you can only speak of the lived experience the lived journey that you have so when we hear this from players they're speaking from that perspective and then it's kind of our job to distill it and break it down and say like we heard this we you know we heard this from this person and your journey is this but it taught you this and we kind of look for the positives there so i would say hearing everybody's journey which is really our, our i know kick off and tip off are the are the funny jokes on the twitter but um <laughs> But I think hearing about the journey is the first question. Um, and then kind of to capstone that, the last question that you always ask is like, what is your one piece of advice? Talk about a highlight tape or like a TikTok or Instagram reel. Like that is something I would love to see is to, you know, take out each of that part of the, I guess, segment of the show and just kind of see what everybody's advice is and kind of make that like an archive library piece would be awesome. Um, the last thing, and this is kind of like the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, if I had to do it, we've had so many guests who have played great careers of their own, mm -hmm. but then have also played with, you know, players and people that have had their own right. Like I'm thinking of, you know, Catalanato and the Michael Young story. I'm thinking of Ryan and the Adley Rushman story. Yeah. Like yeah. just these like little things that come up or I think we had two or three guys who have played with Bobby Wood Jr. Um those stories are just like that's not why we're here that's not why we're doing this but it's just like when you hear that story as part of their journey whether they can look back and have that perspective of like i was able to play with this great player and they're able to share that with us that's even better yeah i agree i think about like steven Souza talking about cody bellinger and the experience yeah. that he had there and i i think it's just a lot of these guys to me the biggest thing that sticks out and the thing that i've enjoyed the most is hearing how they really separated themselves from baseball Right. They found these passions outside of the game that really just speak to the identity and who they are as a person. Right. The baseball is something that they do, something that they love to do. And then they go out and play every single day. But a lot of them have realized after they now retire that there's so much more to their life than just the game. They love the game. So it doesn't mean they don't hate, they hate baseball now all of a sudden that they've retired and they're not in the game anymore. But they found these passions and their love and things like that. And that's the one thing that stuck out to me in our upcoming interview that we're going to have here with Devin Mezzarocco is he talked about the power of family. That's probably going to be the title of this episode because he yeah. kept going back to how important his family was and how much his family changed his perspective for the better and like made him realize that there was this bigger thing on the outset of the game. And so I think that's one thing, like hearing those kind of stories is just incredible. Yeah, for me, talking to Devin, I mean – we talked about this a lot, but like just being grounded, he's such mm -hmm. a grounded person. And looking back on that talk, and I remember like sitting there being like, wow, this guy is so humble. And like you mentioned with like catching, you know, these great pitchers and yeah. really being on, being on some good rosters, not just the Mets, but like, you know, coming up in the minors, being on the Reds, like all that kind of stuff. I think one of the things that I realized is the guy loves the strategy, the planning. Mm -hmm. He loved it as a catcher. He loved working with pitchers loved working with coaches to prepare for the game. He's doing the same thing as a coach, but now the coaching and that baseball aspect of his life has taken a backseat to his family, which I think, and I, I think you guys will agree after you listen to this, 
that we could say the same thing about how he's, you know, dealing with his wife and his kids. And I say dealing yeah. in a pitching um, pun there, but he, he talked about how during COVID he went on like a crazy trip. I'm not going to reveal the details, but like how much planning had to go into that trip is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I could just see him as a catcher, as a coach doing the same thing. Um, so I, you know, I, I agree with you, family grounded, um, understanding just the planning and strategy that goes into life and baseball. Yeah. And that, that's awesome. I had a great way to wrap up and we're going to turn you over to that interview with Devin Mezzarocco. That'll kick us off for season one and uh, we'll be back on March 30th with season two. So enjoy the interview. Enjoy it. Alrighty, we are here with another incredible guest for Beyond Baseball. Uh, we have Devin Mezzarocco, who spent uh, eight years in the big leagues uh, with the Cincinnati Reds and the New York Mets, and now is coaching uh, baseball at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, Devin, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Good. To, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you on and kind of talk about your journey. Um, you went from being a first-round draft pick with the Reds and kind of had a pretty decent career. Uh, take us into your journey through baseball, how you got to where you are, um, and how you made that transition to coaching after you retired from the game. Well, that's a long story. That seems like a long <laughs> part. Um, yeah, so my father was a coach growing up, right? So he uh, introduced me to the game. I would be the bat boy, uh, go to practice with him every night. And uh, that's really where I would say that the, the joy of the game came for me, right? It's just being at the field with my dad. Uh, and then from there, obviously, you know, in high school and uh, start playing travel ball and get better and start to get noticed. And, you know, I was drafted out of high school there in 2007 by the Reds. Uh, Played four years in the minor leagues, four and a half, I guess. And, uh, you know, got called up uh, to the big leagues in 2000, September of 2011. Uh, and then was up, you know, for the most part of 2012, 13, all the way to 2018 there. And then the coaching, right? So uh, after I got done playing, then, well, you know, it's kind of a difficult time and you kind of figure out what the heck you're going to do with the rest of your life and you don't really know. And uh, I, I, I always felt like, you know, coaching would be a good option. And this kind of opportunity at the University of Pittsburgh kind of fell into my lap. And, uh, you know, it's been a good, really good fit. So I, I, I love to coach now and uh, just enjoy being around the game. Devin, you talk about that being a tough time and given your father's a coach, talk to us about what went down during that tough time. Was it a lot of, you know, interpersonal conversations, family conversations, friends, you know, talk about that tough time. Yeah, I, into I, I, my career, I would say, ended uh, potentially somewhat abruptly, right? Like, uh, I think I went to spring training with the Mets there in 2019. Um uh, I got sent down to the minor leagues and I just didn't really enjoy it anymore. And I, I, uh, I felt like, you know, I love the game. I love being around the game. I just didn't necessarily love playing the game anymore. I had a lot number of injuries. I wasn't the same type of player. Uh, and it just became a chore to show up each day, right? Like to get my body ready to go out there and, try to compete and not be very good, right? Like I pretty much stunk at that point, in my opinion. So it uh, it became just very challenging and not fun. So, well, I got sent down, you know, after some conversations with my, my wife and uh, 
parents and just everybody. It was my agents. It was kind of like, you know, why continue to do this if, if you're not enjoying it? Let's uh, go on to the next step. What that next step was at that point, I had no idea, right? Like, I just knew that, right. hey, I, I don't really want to play anymore. So, uh, yeah, I just went home and ended quite abruptly. And, uh, you know, you work your whole life on one thing, and that's your whole focus, right? Like, I think that that's a lot of the players' mindset is their life revolves around their career and the success and the failures. And um, and then one day it didn't, right? So that day comes very, very quickly, and you're not necessarily prepared. For, I wasn't prepared for that day because that's not necessarily what I expected to have happen in spring training is just show up and retire. But um, – it did. And then it's kind of like, well, what the heck do I do now? At the beginning, right? It's a very, well, it's fun, right? Like uh, we we just enjoyed ourselves. We spent time with our family, um, uh, just had a lot of fun. And, and then it's like, okay, now, you know, we, we need to, something a little more tangible. I can't just uh, be 30 years old and watch my son all day and cook dinner and, you know, go have a few beers with my buddy and that, right. Like that, that's not necessarily a very fulfilling life. So you kind of, you're in that transition period where you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And uh, at that point there in 2019, we were kind of like, yeah, what the heck are we going to do this summer? What are we going to do this fall? So I bought an RV. So we bought an RV. And uh, about the RV in July, we left like the first week of September for, we just left and said, we're going to go see the country. We're going to go to the national parks. We're going to spend time um, just as a family. And whenever we come back, we come back. And I, I had I planned out, you know, we were going to hit nine national parks uh, and, and just spend as much time as if we were still enjoying ourselves and we want to spend two weeks at one place, we would. So we went to the Badlands. We went to um, we went to Yellowstone. Spent like a week there. Uh, we went out to uh, Yosemite National Park, which was not uh, that, that was an interesting story. We can maybe get to that, but uh, <laughs> you know, we went out to the Big Sur and spent some time out there. Spent some time with family in California, uh, and just you know, hit up a bunch of things and, and, and just kind of enjoyed it. And that was kind of like the last fun thing before it felt like, Hey, you know, I, I, we, I would like to do something a little more, uh, something with some teeth to it. Right. And then I, I always felt like coaching was probably what that was going to be. And so from there, it was just kind of try to find a place that'll, uh, make me a coach. Right. Because <laughs> I hadn't done it yet. So it was kind of a new, transition and you know, I think all former players feel like uh, wow it's so easy to coach this and that and uh, you know, I think it's proven to be a little bit more challenging than that for me but uh, certainly that I, I always felt like coaching was where I would end up. Yeah I'm sure Caleb has a couple questions based on that but the one thing I really like that you touched on too is how you when you got the RV and went on a freeing trip, it's almost like you went from having that set schedule every single day in baseball to all of a sudden going on this trip with no routines, and like no schedule where you could just kind of have fun and enjoy. See, that's the part that I liked about the whole trip though, was kind of dictating what we're going to do for the day. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I always like to, 
be organized and have a plan and follow a routine because that's kind of what you do in baseball, right? Like that was your whole day. I'm going to show up here. I'm going to do early work, do this, this, then this, and, you know, finish in the weight room, whatever. Um, and so the trip, I kind of did the same stuff as I tried to plan out my life. I was like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Just go with the flow and we'll figure it out. Uh, but I, I did like that aspect. I like the aspect of like taking care of the RV and doing the things that I needed to do there. Right. Because it was routine oriented. So all, all of those things, uh, they still carry over into my life today. Right. Where I do a lot better when I know what the plan is, can kind of control my own destiny and write things down. You know, that always helps me. So um, it, it really definitely carries over. Not to mention that he chose nine national parks. There's a reason. <laughs> well, that, that, that was there's nine positions. There's nine innings. Was- <laughs> Maybe I made that number up. Let me count the ones. <laughs> so we went to the Badlands. We went to, uh, oh, what is the Mount Rushmore? I think that's mm. a national park. Yeah. We went to uh, Yellowstone, Yosemite. I don't think the Big Sur is a national park. We went to sequoia national park we went to um the what is it called i can't remember uh and then we went to zion national park so it may have been eight may have been eight Uh, yeah and the big sir we meant (laughs) we meant to go to grand canyon by that time everybody was i think it was a seven week trip and by that time everyone was like ah probably time to head home and i i drove uh i drove 18 hours straight home the the last day because everybody was you missed the minor leagues that's why (laughs) (laughs) um i was gonna ask i mean yeah you're right jared i I did have a few questions i mean there's so many things to take out of here one is you did a really good job articulating it almost like you're replaying it in your head which is a skill to be able to do that, not just say like this happened, this happened. Like it's clearly you went to therapy at one point, but um, <laughs> it, it was cool that like you were just like, and then it happened. And I think like in my research for this stuff and everybody who's listening to this podcast has heard me say this, it's not a singular moment. It's a process that's happening. So for you, it felt like a moment, like it just hit you in the face because you weren't prepared for that singular moment. But this process has been telling you, you know, eventually it's going to happen. It's inevitable that's tra- happening. You just don't know when. It's not like there's a door that you should just go through or open. Um, but you said, I didn't like baseball. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun for me anymore. At what point did that mindset change to now I want to go to coaching? Was there something I'd be like, I actually like this part. Maybe, maybe it is the prep. Maybe it is the routine. Oh, I loved everything about the game, right? I loved uh, being around the guys. I loved the pregame meetings where you talk about strategy, how you're going to go through the pitches. I loved, uh, leads, you know, and when I was with the Mets there, the pitching coach kind of gave me, um, uh, he just allowed me to kind of run the pitchers meeting. And I love that. Right. Like I, I love that aspect of it. I loved watching the games. I loved calling the game behind the plate. I didn't love to hit anymore. I didn't love to catch anymore, right? Like the actual skills that it took to do the job, I felt my game had deteriorated to the point where I wasn't good enough to be up there anymore. And it it just, uh, those things became not fun. I could still call a game very well. I could still lead a pitching staff. Uh, 
But as far as actually hitting and throwing and catching, I, I, I just didn't love to do that stuff. And, and, and that once my injuries happened, right? Like um, I had three years there where I had uh, reconstructive hip surgery in 2015, reconstructive shoulder surgery and reconstructive hip surgery on the other side in 2016. Um, and then in 17, I was still kind of battling back from the shoulder. I broke my foot. Uh, so it was three years of like, he's kind of pounding your head against the wall, trying to get back to where I felt like I should be, where I was the player that I was in 2014. And I, and I kind of realized that like, I'm not going to be the same guy. I have to figure out a different way to do it. Right. Uh, but it, my body just wasn't – never put me in a position where I felt like I could be a good player again. And, and I don't want to blame my body, right? Like uh, that's also a lot of time missed, you know, and, and your skills deteriorate the more time that you miss. And uh, I, I don't want to say that like my whole career went downhill because of the injury. Certainly that had an impact on it. But uh, I just wasn't good enough playing simple. You know, it, it was pretty clear to me that uh game wasn't fun. I wasn't a very good player anymore. So let's just move on. Yeah, in that transition process, you've clearly separated the physical and the mental, which I think is key, especially when you mentioned your identity. Like, this is all we know. This is all. You still knew that stuff, and you could still apply it as a coach. Just the physicality only got you so far, which is really, I mean, baseball is not a lifelong sport, no matter who right. we are. Julio Franco defied odds, but it's just, it's impossible to play baseball. Like when you're 70, it's just impossible. So you keeping that mental thing is, is, is taking away from the physical in the regard, like you can't do it anymore, but it's keeping you in the game and saying, I know that there's something I can do with the mental side of things. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed just by the way you articulate. I think it's, it's super interesting for anybody who wants to, you know, go into coaching or go into any other aspect, take some time off, like you just mentioned, and then kind of, look at yourself in two aspects, which is physical and mental and see what you, you still have to offer. Yeah. The, 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 the coaching, you know, it kind of came about there. Still, I, I helped out with a little high school team here in Pittsburgh area. Uh, I really liked that. Right. Um, I felt like I could pass some things on to those kids to help them. Um, also felt like the high school level, a lot of the stuff that I knew really well and could make a difference, it didn't necessarily apply, right? Because those guys are still at a level where, you know, frankly, they're just working on catching. They're working on catching the ball. You know, for me to have somebody tell them how to frame and move their thumb this way and that, right? Like, I'm, I'm not sure that that was necessarily fit for me. So then it kind of transitioned to, all right, well, you know, what is the next highest level still here in Pittsburgh that I can kind of uh, help out with? And, you know, it turned into Pitt. And it's been a really good fit. I had to ask one question because you talked about how you really enjoyed leading the, the Mets pitching staff while you were there. Um, and I'm sure a lot of those skills translated to the college level, but just kind of going back, how awesome was it to kind of lead that, 2018 Mets pitching staff that was stacked with DeGrom and Syndergaard and Mats and all those guys. Yeah. I mean, obviously I got traded over there. I was traded for Matt Harvey there in May. 
and uh, you kind of walk into the clubhouse and you know that was that ended up being Jake's uh, DeGrom's first Cy Young year and uh, so you know obviously he was a really good pitcher uh, Stephen Match was kind of an up and coming guy that had dealt with some injuries but man you know really really good left handed stuff uh, and then Zach Wheeler was outstanding right like uh, at that time he, I think he was coming off some injuries but you know, this difference between him and Jake was like uh, just maybe like a half a grade below, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, everything was very sharp, crisp, just really, really good. And then Syndergaard obviously was super powerful, uh, you know, with the sinker, and hard stuff, hard slider. He, he ended up missing some time that year and I didn't catch him a ton. Uh, but that was honestly one of the highlights of my career, right? Like catching those guys Pitching coach at that time was Dave Island. He was really mm-hmm. good about kind of letting me run the game. And uh, he, he he really just kind of turned things over to me, ran the meetings, ran the game. Everybody, you know, I, I did my homework, and they all put a lot of trust in me. By, like, third start that I had with Jake, uh, he kind of went into the office and said, hey, you know, nobody else is catching me the rest of the year. And, that was a good feeling, right? Like, I think that uh, that is what every catcher kind of strives to do. And uh, for, you know, I don't know that he was necessarily considered the best pitcher in the game at the time. I think that the next couple of years, right, he's kind of proven that uh, or proven to be one of the best guys. And and so to have somebody of that caliber kind of say that, you know, that, that certainly meant a lot and something that I'll always remember. Yeah, one of the things I'm curious, and this is kind of, tangential and what we're talking about is here you are coaching you know college baseball players you're at a you know pretty big name school in terms of you know it's a d1 program everybody knows it maybe it's not known as a baseball school but still and i know it's from your hometown but you never played college baseball right yeah no very weird yeah yeah well it's not i mean it's weird it's weird and it isn't because you still know what and this is kind of what i was going at you still know the age of those people you were just in the minors rather than college um, but how do you like relate to them? How do you break that down? They could e- easily, you know, come back to you and be like, you never played college. What do you know? You know, you clearly know more. But. So the, I, I, the 2021 season there, spring of 21 was my first year. And I, I honestly believe that like I went, I, w- I was signed with the university of Virginia and I had committed there and well, I went to see one game there before I committed. And Beyond our first game of actually playing that 21 season, I had only ever seen one college baseball game in my life in person, right? And it was the game that I went to see at Virginia. So, like, yeah, I was 100% new, right? But also, these guys, we have a lot of Pittsburgh kids. We have a, a lot of Northeast kids, right? Like They had seen me play with the Reds. They had seen mm-hmm. me play uh, you know, maybe with the Mets a little bit. I think that when you're a big leaguer and you you're very influential to these kids, right? Like you, they listened and hang on to any word you say. So it, it becomes, it became very easy for me to gain their ear just based on the fact that, Hey man, this guy had done it, right? Like he had been in the big leagues for eight years. Uh, my word, they, they weren't very skeptical of what I, what I was saying. They, they very, they took it and, you know, ran with it and, you know, I think that I give out good information and I think that I give good advice for sure. And I think that that, you know, the guys would say the same thing, but uh, 
when you're a big leaguer, right? They, they listen to just about anything you say. So it, that, that part of it became pretty easy, even though I had never been in college. And uh, I think that it, it, it's been a very good, easy transition. I think that mental stuff you talked about. So the prep, the routine, you know, going to the pitchers meeting, running that meeting, you know, getting the, the Jacob DeGroms to, you know, feel confident enough to have you as their personal catcher every day. It's something that you can bring. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in college. It doesn't matter if you're 12 years old. Like, you can still bring that as a coach to them. So I think that is interesting. I was just curious if you ever face anything there. So it, it's an interesting dynamic considering someone from you could be like, I want to, you know, coach in the minors or I want to coach in high school. Like, picking college and then being a coach in college is a totally different game. Yeah, it's been a really good fit. I think that uh, right now my life is all about my family. You know, being home with, uh, I have a two-year-old daughter, five-year-old son, not missing his uh, t-ball games and being home with them and getting to enjoy summer family vacations. And uh, none of those things I would be able to do if I was a coach in the, in the minor league. So this this has been a really, really uh, good fit. And the coach down there, Coach Bell, is, is he's really good. At, you know, he kind of lets me – do as much or as little as I want, right? Like uh, he gives me a lot of freedom as far as uh, taking, doing stuff with the players. You know, I, I help out with the pitchers, help out. I, I run the catchers, uh, but help out with the hitters. You know, there isn't anything that, you know, it, 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 it's a really good fit where uh, if, if I want to be involved with the recruiting, which, you know, I don't necessarily – enjoy that side as much i love the scouting side uh but you know uh i don't have to right so it's, it's been a good fit and i've enjoyed it yeah the one question i want to ask kind of before we wrap up into the last couple um of questions you talked a lot about um having to overcome adversity and some of the injuries that you went through through your career um how have you used those experiences to really help kids who might be going through some of the same things at the college level um, to help relate to them and kind of help them get through some of those injuries or moments of adversity that they might be facing. Yeah, I think that, right, like an advantage to having a player that has so recently been playing or having a coach that has so recently been playing, I can put myself in the shoes of those individuals mm -hmm. very quickly and easily, right? Like, uh, for example, like you said, as the guy, if a guy is injured, right? Uh, the, when we've had some guys that you think you could run through a brick wall, right? Like you can do anything and you can go play and they're out there limping around and it's like, well, you know, we're, we're not, what, what I tell them is we're not putting you on the field to just play, right? Like you have to be able to go out there and be productive. We have other players that can potentially be productive. If you can't go out there and be productive. There's no reason to have you on the field, right? So I can tell them that, I came back too early from uh, one of my numerous injuries and I stunk and it, it's hard. So, you know, let's work you in slow, maybe get you a midweek game before you go out there and have to compete in the ACC, um, face a Friday night starter, you know, a guy that's going to be a first rounder, right? So you know, it kind of makes things a little bit easier and they listen to me in that regard. But even when it comes to the playing side, right, like I could put my – I can put myself in the shoes of my catchers and uh, 
if we're doing something, if they're doing something mechanically wrong, that they maybe they're over anticipating their need to get ready to block, and and I can kind of work through that with them pretty easily. So yeah, it, it certainly helps that uh, that I have just recently played and can kind of put myself in their shoes. Yeah. All right, Caleb, I'll turn it over to you if you have one more question before we dive into the last one. I have like a two-part question. I want, I want to learn more about you, the person. So one of the things, you know, obviously we can hear your kids scream in the background. My kids are downstairs and the dog is barking louder than them. Well, besides the RV trip, besides getting away from the game a little bit before you went back into coaching, you know, my first question is what are some of the things that you enjoy? How do you take maybe what you're not getting from playing the physicality part? Um, competing that competitive nature into your life like what are you doing not just playing you know checkers or chess with people just to beat them Um, and then the other side of that would be you know are there certain things that you're still missing um, that you're not getting either you know from life family or coaching so let me start by saying like uh, kudos to like all the stay-at-home parents out there whether it's (laughs) moms or dads because there's nothing harder than being home all day with kids right like there there's nothing more difficult than uh uh them scream all this stuff that goes along with that so that is is a challenge for sure and uh i i am incredibly grateful that i get to spend as much time with my family as we do um both of my parents and grandparents or i still have some grandparents that live back in punxsutawney so we we try to have um holidays come down for dinner on the weekends try to do things of that nature but for the most part these days mine and my wife is incredibly uh, great about our life revolves around the kids and let's do whatever we can to make their lives as good and uh, as enjoyable as they can so you know we've taken a number of trips here even after I sold the army uh, during the <laughs> pandemic there. But we uh, we went to Hawaii this past summer. We went down to Disney. Uh, it, it, our life is all about what we can do with those kids. You know, it, it, it's, your other question there was, is what, uh, what can I do to kind of compete? Yeah. So uh, kind of about the same time as I did the RV, I started to do a little bit of woodworking, right? Like just kind of make up challenges and go make this and – I had never done anything in my life, right? I never, I didn't even know how to use a screwdriver. Uh, Well, my grandfather was a woodworker and he got old enough that like he couldn't use his tools anymore. So he gave me all his tools and we need an outdoor dining room table. And I said, heck, I'll just make it. And uh, so that was a bit of a challenge and that was kind of cool. And uh, I got some fulfillment out of that. And now my wife makes me make kind of a bunch of stuff. Uh, So it, maybe it's good and bad, but it uh, th- that has been a good challenge as, as far as the woodworking. Uh, the coaching gives me some of that same aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how do I get this kid better? How do I help him improve? Uh, that certainly helped out. You know, what do you miss? You just miss the people, right? Like, I think that's the thing that you miss the most. Yeah. Is I miss being in the locker room and talking shit to uh, whenever I beat Jacob DeGrom well, for the 50th time in cards, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, I miss, you know, in baseball, right? Like there's a lot of support people that their only job is to be there to help your career. And 
you know, those are, they're very uh, thankless people that, you know, probably don't get enough credit for helping people out, whether it's coaches or the people that uh, are in the weight room or the people that cook for, you know, all of those people really, uh, the, the training staff, right? Like those, those, those guys, careers are based on helping the players out and uh, just to really spend time around people like that, good people. And uh, you miss that side of it, right? Like uh, just the people. Yeah. Uh, before I dive to the last question, I think it's awesome that you, you really have solidified the things that you value. You talk about the time with your family and being able to spend that time with them. I um, mean, just talking about the importance of relationships, whether it's the relationships made in the game and then taking that with you to your post uh, baseball career. I think that's, that's just incredible to hear. Um, the last question that we always ask all the guests, um, just because again, as we're focusing on the transitions of athletes outside of the game, what's the one piece of advice you'd have for an athlete that's going through some of the things that you did and trying to figure out how to transition to that next step outside of baseball? So I, I want to add, I also went back to school, right? So <laughs> yeah. um, I was drafted out of high school and, um, I had the college scholarship plan and it was just kind of sitting there and it was like, well, that'll be a good challenge. So yeah, yeah I, I do my, I, my days are full, right? Like I watch the kids all day during the day, go to practice, come home. I like to cook. So I'll make dinner and put the kids to bed. And then I start on my school. So that's awesome. I, I am, uh, I'm, I have a full day and it kind of helps me with my routines, right. And my timing and, and all that. So that's good. You know, one advice is, you just lean on the people that you that you love, right? Like I think that that's the most important thing. The the transition certainly would have never been as easy without my wife. Uh, you know, right? Like she, uh, yeah, she's my partner in crime, right? Like she's always there. Uh, we do everything together, so that 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 was certainly made things a lot easier. And you know, my parents are still very influential in my life, right? Like if I have. Uh, Anything, they'll be down here in, you know, 0.2 seconds, right? Talk to my dad all the time and uh, talk to my mom all the time. So, yeah, just, just lean on those people. My brother uh, lives in Pittsburgh here now, and we spend a ton of time together. So all that stuff, uh, I, I think that to get through any tough times, right, I think that that is the, the most important thing is lean on the people that, you know, you know really know you love them. Yeah, I think that's an awesome thing to wrap up with. And Devin, we can't thank you enough for joining us. It's it's just amazing to hear your journey and kind of how you've ended up and found yourself outside of the game as well. So thank you for sharing your story and just taking some time to chat with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.